It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Good morning, and welcome to Fiber Hooligan. For the next hour or so, I'd like to invite you to grab your cup. Sorry, for the next hour or so, I'd like to invite you to grab your cup of coffee, tea, or caffeine-free A&W diet root beer, if that's your beverage of choice, and settle in for the thirteenth episode of the Return to Fiber Hooligan. I had a tongue tied there for some reason. Hmm. For those of you wondering who the heck I am, I am your host, Benjamin Levesey. I am also the CEO of XRX Inc., home of XRX Books and Stitches Expos. My pronouns are he and him, and I'm broadcasting live from my home here in Harrisburg, South Dakota. If you are tuning in for the first time, Fiber Hooligan is a podcast dedicated to bringing you interviews with the best of the fiber arts and makers world, including experts, business people, designers in the crafts of knitting, crochet, spinning, dyeing, weaving, sewing, quilting, embroidery, as well as anything else that I think is interesting. I want to welcome the new listeners today. Thank you for tuning in and trying out the show. I hope you enjoy it, and I can't wait for us to get to know each other better. And of course, I'd like to welcome back our Fiber Hooligan listeners who used to tune into the original show many, many years ago. Your ongoing support means so very much to me. Okay, I want to get right to my guest today because I'm very excited to have her on the show. My guest today is Jennifer Winger Turchin from Jennifer Knits in Brentwood Village in Los Angeles, California. Jennifer's pronouns are she and her. Jennifer has worked in the knitting industry since 1985. This year, she is celebrating her 20th anniversary as the owner of Jennifer Knits, a fabulous, one-of-a-kind knit shop located in Brentwood Village, Los Angeles. She is known for her custom patterns from, from her imagination or inspired by your favorite ready-to-wear designer and tailored to your gauge and measurements. Over the years, she has developed relationships with textile mills in Italy and imports the finest cashmere and merino directly to her shop. In 2005, she authored Teen Knitting Club with Maureen Lasher and Carol Abrams and embarked on a nationwide book tour, inspiring the creation of more than 500 knitting clubs in colleges and high schools across the country. She also offers a How to Make a Profit seminar, teaching women how to run successful small businesses, not just knit shops. Jennifer believes that anyone can have their dreams come true with hard work, integrity, and determination. Jennifer was president of the Brentwood Village Chamber of Commerce for eight years and served four years on the Brentwood Community Council. Her efforts helped her bring local businesses together for the West LA VA to raise money for veterans housing services and job building. Working with the government, the local community, and individuals, she was instrumental in helping to pass the HR 3484 bill in 2017, helping to house previously homeless veterans on VA property and made sure that they all had housewares, linens, and hand-knit potholders for their new homes. Jennifer was raised in the South Bay and resides there with her husband and their youngest daughter. She is also a favorite aunt and knitwear supplier to her two darling nephews. Jennifer knits sells across the country and beyond with local, with loyal, longtime customers of all ages, with tons of Instagram instructional videos and a website full of beautiful yarn and accessories and kits. Jennifer can be your local yarn store no matter where you live. 
Jennifer is a force to be reckoned with. Her local yarn store is one of the most successful businesses of its kind, and she never gives up, and she never stops innovating. It's one of the reasons I wanted to have her on the show. She has a lot to say about customer service, and I'm so pleased she could join us on the show this morning. Jennifer joins us this morning from her office in Los Angeles. Good morning, Jennifer, and welcome to the show. Hi, Ben. Thank you for that beautiful introduction. I appreciate that. Oh, I, I, just, I sound pretty I good. tongue-tied there. I don't know what the <laughs> heck happened to me. I usually can just rattle those things off, but the weekend must have taken out of me. That's what it is. And how do you know that uh, Diet A&W root beer is my favorite thing? That's what I want to know. <laughs> I, you know, I've done my research. I, 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 I was surprised to find it in your FBI file. Really, I really was surprised to find that. <laughs> So, how are things out in the uh, West Coast world today? Um, it's it's nice here. It's beautiful. Um, the the weather's been great. Um, the business climate has been. Um, it's sad. It's sad to watch. Uh, my shop is located Brentwood Village is like a mom and pop area of I always say it's the best kept secret in Los Angeles um, and most of the businesses there have been there at least 20 years some go back 50 years there's a, a barber that's been there he opened in the 70s um, my husband actually owns a, um, a state jewelry store that started in 1976 that he bought 20 years ago um, and now almost half of them have closed so where something's been so wonderful and flourishing for such a long time, it, it is kind of a scary time to me and a lot of my colleagues and peers and neighbors, and I think all of us. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, then, and we've seen, you know, reports even just this last weekend, you know, um, it's uh, – this is a this is a very rough time, and, but it's also a, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on on the show because I, I I'm hoping that small business owners and small entrepreneurs that are starting to get frustrated will listen to some of the things that you have to say and um, and and really be able to take them to heart. Um, let's let's back up first before we get all into all that. Let's tell the Fiber Hooligan listeners your story. Um, you know, I usually say something like, "Oh, well, you know, you weren't, you know, you weren't raised in a yarn store," but that's not always true because I was, and it, you darn near were. So let's let's hear about your story. <laughs> I was, I was raised. Um, I uh, my mom used to paint needlepoint canvas for um, it's still a store. It's Latelier. They've been in business forty years, so they are one of my inspirations. And back in the mid-80s, early mid-80s, um, they had needlepoint and knitting, and my mom painted canvases for them, and she never got her work done. So me, as a little 13-year-old wanting to make some extra money, I would finish my mom's work. And one day when my dad, who would drop off my mom's work at the niche shop, like the only guy that would walk into a niche shop at the time, um, he said, you know, can you – can you give my daughter a job? Cause she's doing all the work anyway. And they hired me. I didn't really, school was not my thing. Um, I, I was really good at school, but it, I, I just had a drive and a passion and I wanted to do things my way. Um, and I think I knew that at a young age. So I got a worker's permit and I started working at, at the knit shop, uh, at the school, start working there right after lunch and it's, sort of developed into me doing their bookkeeping and um, eventually managing a second, the second store they opened. And I mean, I, 
I was probably, I think I was 17 when I went to my first trade show. Um, and it just was incredible to me, like the fibers, the colors, the the people, all every different age person knitting and, and crafting and crocheting brought everybody together, whether it was in the shop, um, around the table, or at a trade show, or at a dinner with vendors. It, it just, I, I always wanted that for myself, like what crafts bring to people and the happiness and the joy that it brings to them and the, the bond that it brings to us as, as business owners. I, I wanted that for myself, and by the time I was 30, um, I decided that I, I want. I thought that they should do things um, a little differently to make more of a profit, so that I could make more money. I mean, it was selfishly motivated. Like I, I, I felt like they were so the two they there was two owners is there's one now, but um, both of them are so were so talented, and I I had so many ideas for them to. I thought were good to run their company <laughs> um, a little better and a little more profitable. And um, my one of my bosses said to me at the time, you know, when you have your own store, you can run it your way. And it's like a light bulb went off. And I was like, oh, my God, I never, it never even dawned on me to open my own business ever. I mean, I started working for them when I was 13 or 14 years old. I dropped out of high school and supported myself by the time I was 17. And um, it never dawned on me, but I did. I did. I I decided to quit my job, and um, I didn't tell anybody what I was doing. I had a handful of customers that were also my friends, maybe a dozen, and I found a little shop in, at the time, Brentwood Village was a very isolated, um, like I said, mom-and-pop area, but in, in 2000, um, there was trees covering it. All the streets were cracking, like not a lot of, nobody really knew about it. So I got a good deal on a lease and um, went to the public library to find out everything I needed to know about signing a lease and opening my own business. And I did it. I actually got a 30 year lease. If you can believe that. You got, you got a 30 year lease. And, and of course you <laughs> came into a, this with all kinds of money to spend, lease. right? Uh, the what? Yeah, you came into this with all kinds of money to spend on it, right? Oh, yeah. I had so much. I actually, I had just had um, my second child was a year old, and I knew I was about to get a divorce. I, I married my high school sweetheart, which could be a great idea. It wasn't for me. could be for some people. Um, and I think I had maybe uh, $1,500 to my name at the time I decided to quit my job. But by the time I opened my store, I had $120 in my bank account. And I had put everything on credit cards um, to get the ball rolling. And, I mean, it's, it, was, it was hard. The, the knitting world was very competitive then. Um, getting a lease as a woman was hard. I had to get a co-signer. Things were different uh, 20 years ago. Um, and because there was other niche shops in the area, a lot of big vendors wouldn't sell to me. So I had to I had to import my own yarn. That's how I got into importing my own yarn. Heavy hitters, the big companies, which I don't want to name them because they're all my friends now, but a lot of big companies weren't willing to take a chance on a little niche shop that nobody had heard of me. 
So um, they didn't want to lose their uh, other clients that were, when I opened, there was 50, sorry, 56 shops in the greater Los Angeles, almost 56 stores. So um, it was, it was a different time. Yeah. But I did it. Wow. Well, well, which is great. That's, I mean, and and congratulations. I mean, it's, it's, it sounds to me like you had some personal stuff going on too that wasn't the easiest thing to be dealing with as you're trying to set your own sale out there as well, but uh, you did it. And that's kind of a, a reoccurring theme for you, which is um, you really don't ever stop your, you know, you push forward, which is true, is very cool. Um, I know that this is something that you've taken and taught to um, small business owners, or especially women uh, who are trying to get through this. And things are a little different now. It's much easier to get a loan, I think. Um, you teach that class um, locally, right? I mean, and can you can you talk a little bit about just the nature of that class? Um, I taught it. Well, I I actually taught it in a few states and um, at a women's conference. I taught it at a women's conference a few years ago, which I think was in Nashville. Um, our trade organization used to have uh, business classes for um, shops, so that's where I taught it. And then I also did consulting for shops. But I did it because, I mean, if I can have a successful store, I feel like anybody can. And I wanted to share my enthusiasm and my ability to have success with a a trade that I love. Like, I feel like if you have um, a business that it's based on something that you love, like if, if I opened a... Thai restaurant. I love Thai food, but I don't know how to make it. So maybe it would be okay. But if you love Thai food and you can make really good Thai food and you're excited about it, you're going to have a successful restaurant. So I felt the same way about yarn. I love yarn. I love people. Um, I know a lot about it. I have a talent. And I, I feel like anybody can have success in our industry if they have the confidence and um, the ability to see their talent, the ability to know that maybe they can't write a pattern from scratch, but maybe they're amazing with picking colors or they're um, great at certain techniques or they make, uh, you know, a mean batch of chocolate chip cookies and they can serve those to their clients. Like whatever you can do to make your shop fun and interesting is, is, is going to help you be successful, especially right now. Well, let's talk about right now, because right now is, right now is a rough time. Um, you know, it seems to be, you know, we all, all were scared. We all sheltered in place or we tried to practice social distancing and, you know, limited kind of the way that our businesses reopened. And then of course, they, you know, a lot of them are closing again and, um, you know, just crazy stuff going on. I, I also understand that, that there were some riots up in your area um, that, you know, you, you had to employ some extra security people for. And, and, and like you and I were just talking about, there's this nature of, you know, the unknown about, you know, is there ever going to get any relief? You know, what do we do next? Who, who's the next person to fall in the, in the, in the line? You know, in, beyond all the logistical stuff, how do you combat the, the mental fatigue? 
Well, I think the best thing for all of us to do is limit the amount of news and social media we're on. Um, I made the mistake yesterday to um, I, I, I had like a, a, a working weekend this weekend where I just wanted to get caught up and I went on Instagram for like an hour and a half and I'm seeing shops that I know and love that I admire that are going out of business. That is really detrimental to your morale and um, and your overall being. And also watching the news too where you don't have an end. You don't have like, okay, if you just do this, this, and this, in September you're going to be able to do this. None of us have that right now. So I have to rely on my own little world that I can be in where I'm just going to do what I do. And if all of us can can take that take that moment and say, I'm gonna I'm gonna own this. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna figure out a way to reinvent myself to accommodate the times of today. When um, it, I think we shut down in Los Angeles March 15th or 16th, somewhere around there, and by March 10th, I was done. I knew that we needed to shut down. I shut down my store almost a week before everybody else. Because excuse me, because. Um, there's so many people in my shop. Jennifer Knits is a very unique knit shop. We have 20 to 50 people a day that walk through my 600-square-foot store. And on the Saturday before we shut down, there was 15 people sitting around my store, like on the floor and on my chairs, and I just thought, oh, my gosh, we have to figure out a different way to do this because if this is as bad as I think it is, we're going to be like the Petri dish that makes this all worse. So we decided to shut down, but that didn't make, I mean I was going to shut down. And unfortunately, a week later, everybody got a stay-at-home order. But what I did with this is I decided that my customers need me. I need them. So what can I do to stay in touch with them that's safe, that's not going to put them in harm way. And I have a diabetic daughter. My, my youngest has, I actually have three daughters. I think you mentioned one in my bio. I have three. One is 15 who's got type one diabetes and my other two um, are older. They're 21 and 27. They live on their own. But um, that was like my main thing. Like I need to be safe for my family as well as all my clients. I have clients, I have three clients that are over a hundred right now and I don't want to put them in harm's way or anybody, any, any, any age person. So what we decided to do was do FaceTime appointments and curbside pickup. I got very aggressive with that from the beginning. And I think right now it's important that all shops still entertain that. Don't just because we can be open doesn't mean that people are going to want to come in because I think half of the public does not want to leave their house right now. So as business owners, we have to find ways that we can be in their home with them or they can be in our shop with us without us actually being face-to-face. So FaceTime is a easy, quick, convenient way to let your customers see what's in your shop and let them see you and make them feel normal or take pictures and email them stuff. There's, there's, there's so many ways to engage with clients that you don't have to see them face-to-face, and they'll buy yarn. They want to see you. They want to talk to you. Um, I actually shut down again three weeks ago when it got really hot here in L.A. with COVID. So we're not open to the public right now. We're only by appointment, and um, we're actually busier 
than we were for the three weeks that I decided to open limited hours. Um, I think if everybody can, all businesses, if you just think out of the box for yourself, you'll find success. And don't be scared. Don't be scared. Being scared is just, it's like a, it's like a, if you're sinking, you start spiraling downward. You can't be scared. Think forward. Think optimistically. Think of ways you can reinvent yourself to, to continue to do what you love. Well, let's talk about the way your story works because, you know, I've, I've, uh, we have a good friend, uh, a mutually good friend named Libby um, who, um, you know, she's, she's the one who introduced me to you and raves about you. You're kind of like her hero. Um, and <laughs> I love she, she was telling, yeah, well, it's, it's hard not to love Libby. Um, so Libby, yep. um, you know, Libby tells the story of going around to different shops and not, and not feeling like she was, she was getting back into knitting and, and she was a newbie and not feeling like anybody was taking her seriously or anybody was giving her time. And she walked into your store and she immediately felt warmth and she felt like there was attention, you know, that very much, you know, your personality coming through the entire whole thing. And then she talked about the list. So I love the list. The list is the great equalizer. So let's first, <laughs> let's first talk about the list because the list is a great thing. I mean, very customer service, but there's a rule. Yes, we have a list right when you walk in my store. Um it actually wasn't my idea. There was a shop in New York a zillion years ago that used to have a list. Somebody told me um, the story of her having her list actually outside her shop so people could sign up for help for the following day. So when I opened, I thought, well, the only way I'm going to get a handle on, mind you, I had maybe 15 people that knew about my shop when I opened. When I left my former employer, I just told everybody I was going home to be a stay-home mom. So I relied on our our neighborhood, which luckily um, they they spread the word quickly about me, and I relied on word of mouth. So having a list, when you walk in my store, you put your name on the sign-up list. So that does two things. That lets me know who was here first to get help, and I also learned everybody's name. You know, you can't say, like, you can't have a – a cozy knit shop and say, okay, order number nine, you're up, you know, who's next? So we are able to say, Lisa, your turn. What do you need? Do you need Jen? Do you need Mary Beth? Who, what, what do you need for help? And sometimes we make little notes next to their name, you know, if they're um, needing a pattern or if they just need a drop stitch or it, it helps us to know our clients and also make everybody feel like they're going to get helped. Um, and there's also an excitement to, like, when you see, like, 20 people on the list, you're like, wow, like, what is, what is this? How are all these people at my niche shop? It's pretty cool. And we don't care who you are. You're going to put your name on the list. We get um, – we're in an area of Los Angeles where we get a lot of celebrities, um, and they think it's hilarious when they have to put their name on the list. But, yes, they do. They absolutely – everybody needs to put their name on the list. And um, sometimes if you're a little more in the – a pain in the rear or you need a little more help, you might have to wait a little longer. Um, and the only rule with the list is help is always free. We, we help for free. I know a lot of knit shops have told me, like, that's crazy. You need to charge for your time. Nope, we help for free, but we do it in between sales. And um, the other part that that does for us is 
while all these people are sitting around my table waiting for help. They are engaging with one another. There's this uh, incredible camaraderie. And um, we have people from 9 to 20 to 50 to the 100-year-old women that I have um, that sit around the table exchanging recipes, try to set up their son and daughters. Um, No politics, no religion, no um, college sports. Those are my rules. Can't talk about those in my store. Um, But other than that, it's, it's like this. The list actually is this wonderful thing that um, has helped me keep my store in order for 20 years. It's great. Well, it sounds great, and uh, you know, well, and and it 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 also helps you remember because you have this philosophy of of never judging a book by its cover. I mean, you know, Libby would tell me stories about how kids would come in, and you look at them like, okay, they might be customers, you know, no matter what it is, you know, no matter who comes in, you treat them as as if, yep, they might be a customer. And um, so, you you know, everybody gets the same amount of attention. Um, that's something that, you know, you had to learn or just you just realized it was a bad idea to, to ever make assumptions. Oh, my God. Yeah, no. I mean, my mission statement was, like, I want to create a safe haven where every human being from age 9 to 99 can celebrate their craft and and – be happy. That's all I wanted. I just, um, and I, I made nine to 99 because I feel like kids under nine can't always do it. And, you know, you get like seven, five-year-olds and one of them can knit and the other six are crying. So I made nine the rule to start and 99 I thought was a good age to end. Now I've had to exceed that. Got people, you know, (laughs) living a really long time. But I just I've never seen anybody for other than okay what do you what do you want to knit what do you want to make, um, and now that I've been in business twenty years, you know the, the everybody that comes in the shop feels that for the first five years, it's it's kind of not so much your own energy and I always tell shop owners you know hold your ground, um, be who you are and and promote what you want your shop to be right if you want to have a bunch of kind loving creative people sitting around your table then you need to be kind and loving and and that'll you know water seeks its own level that will come back at you um if if you have icky people sitting in your store telling people oh don't buy that don't do that then you need to you need to check yourself you know you 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 have to figure out what you can do to um to make it like a nice, happy space for everybody. There shouldn't be anybody you turn away. It doesn't matter whether they're, um, you know, wearing the torn-up clothes or whatever that come in your shop. Whoever they are, they're coming in for a reason. They're coming in to look at your product, and because they love fiber, and they either want to knit or crochet or whatever else you offer, and, you know, there's, there's no reason not to love everybody. And we, when she says kids, we have um, three schools near us, and we used to get kids do, we still do, that do scavenger hunts. It's usually seniors, and they are sneaky, sneaky sly, and a lot of the shops kick them out, but not a Jennifer Nitz. They know if they come to my shop, we'll go along with their gag. We'll do whatever, and, and i got to tell you, Ben, I always get a parent as a client from letting those kids come in and mess with us, always. Because they think we're just so cool. <laughs> oh, it's great. Well, it it seems like possibly 
you know, you might have something in common with them. It seems like you enjoy the pranks a little bit, too. Yes, I do. <laughs> I can tell. I, I can you know, tell. I like, Just... I like to have, yeah, I like to have fun. I think life is yeah. meant to enjoy. Yeah, I agree. Let's before we talk about your specific philosophies um, about running a business, um, I would like to break down some of the the more the harder pieces of just running a yarn store in in particular. Um, you know, we've talked about some of these things before, but it's possible that our that our fiber hooligan listeners don't really realize some of the things that yarn store owners are up against. Um, you've also, you know, we've talked about the keystone pricing. Um, for fiber hooligan listeners, keystone pricing is a standard by which the suppliers give this, basically the same amount off for everything, and that tends to be about 50%. You know, I'm sure you'd agree. If if that's all you're living on, it's really not enough. No, no, and we're the only industry that does that. You know, and now we're in an industry where there's um, like like shoe, shoes, for example, a shoe store or a bookstore. First of all, most of their merchandise is on consignment, so they don't sell it; they can send it back. Bookstores traditionally, they have six months to a year to send back books they don't sell, and they don't have to pay for them. Um, a lot of uh, um, electronic stores are like that, and all of them mark up up to three hundred percent. So if you're paying five dollars for something, you charge fifteen, and then if you put it at seventy five percent off, you still are making money or at the very least, not losing money. But in the knitting industry, for some reason, it's still like, you know, like 100 years ago. You know, if we pay $5 for something, we charge 10 but our rents have gone up, and we don't even factor in that we've got credit card fees now, we have tremendous shipping fees, we have all these things that go hand-in-hand hand with getting that $5 ball of yarn to our shop. And um, regular keystoning, if you do that as a niche shop owner, you're not going to make it. And, again, it goes back to what do you offer your clients that um, they can't find online. Some companies can't afford to keystone or discount, and that's because they're selling stuff out of their garage or out of their basement, and they have no employees, no overhead, no inventory. They just have pretty pictures on their website, and then they order it from a vendor for you. Now, if all you're trying to do is get product and not support um, small business and not supporting jobs and don't care about engaging with humans, then those shops work for you. But I think most people that are um, crafters want to support local yarn stores because the bottom line is where do you see it? Who cultivates the knitters? Where would, where would the industry be without knit shops? And there's, um, I don't know if you know this, Ben, but there's way less than a thousand knit shops in America. And probably after this whole shutdown, there's probably going to be maybe seven or eight hundred knit shops left in the country. Now, when I opened 20 years ago, there was 6,500, possibly more. So who's going to cultivate knitters? Where are you going to be able to go in and see that ball of yarn before then you go to some discount website and buy it, right? So. Yeah. It's really important for all knit shop owners to charge your value and then make sure you're worth it. You know, make sure you offer that good customer service to go along with the fact that you need to charge a couple dollars more than online for that ball of yarn. Um, 
and factor in all your cost of operations to give that ball to your clients too. You know, all of us need to, to make a profit and cover our, I think the, the biggest flaw with, um, I don't want to say women in business, but small business owners, especially craft businesses, because we're doing something that we love, right? We're, we're, we're opening a company with something that we love. We love to knit. We love what knitting does for, for people. We love crocheting. We love fibers. We love patterns. So we open a business. But you've got to know what it's going to take to make that business profitable so that you can continue to have that business, right? And I think a lot of small business owners, especially our industry, forget, hey, when you open that door, like my shop, Jennifer Knits, rent, lights, you know, toilet paper, pens, all that stuff, we're talking about $75 an hour for my store to be open during business hours. That's how much it costs without employees, without anything, rent, insurance, all this stuff. And shop owners forget that. They forget that you can't just keystone yarn because it costs you X amount of dollars just to have your doors open and then you need an employee and then you've got to make some money too so you can stay happy and keep your company healthy. So, um, I hope that answered your question. It was a lot. <laughs> it does. You know, that's that's exactly what <laughs> I we were talking on about. And on. <laughs> no, don't. And, and please feel free to do. This was this is a way by by which I wanted to work back through because I knew you were going to get exactly here. Um, I think that one the, one of the big differentiators between you and a lot of other uh, small business owners is, you know. You know, if our, if we go to our industry or say the people tell you how this is how it works, right? Um, you know, one of the things you did is you sat down and say, "Well, this is this is this is how it's got to work for me." And you and you started from a place of what you needed and what you wanted to be happy and healthy and and all that kind of stuff. Can can you talk a little bit about that process? Well, when I um. First of all, when I decided to quit my job and do something on my own, I was thinking I'd have a little small office and I would do house calls because I had, uh, I think Karina was seven and my little one was a year. And I wanted, I mean, I wanted to be home more. I wanted to spend more time with my kids. I wanted, I never wanted to miss, uh, you know, a Halloween parade or a PTA meeting and all that stuff. So I never imagined that I'd have a retail store. But when the opportunity handed itself to me, um, this this retail store became available. I thought, okay, how am I going to swing this, right? And um, fortunately, the person that uh, had to co-sign my lease, I, I think I mentioned I, I couldn't, I was, you know, a 30-year-old woman with nothing, no no collateral, so I had to get a co-signer. And the co-signer required a business plan, and so did the um, the building owners that were having me sign the lease. So I went to the library like I always do and looked up and I um, discovered early on that um, failing to have a plan was planning to fail. And I needed a thorough business plan, not just for the person co-signing and for the person leasing me the space, but for myself. I needed a clear vision of what I wanted out of this so that I could succeed because I wanted to, I wanted to do this until I retire, and I still do. So um, not only did I, I figure out what that plan, like, um, and this is really important that if, if 
any shop owners walk away with anything today, like read your lease. Make sure that you um, plan to have success even right now, right? Even right now, and I don't want to forget to say this, some of you are coming up on signing leases, and it's scary. Do I sign a lease? Oh, no, what do I do? What do I do? They want me to sign a five-year lease. You don't need to do that. You can sign a six-month lease or a one-year lease with two or three three-year options. Sign a one-year lease, six-month lease, get those options in play so that when this is all over, then you can commit to your three years when you feel comfortable. But there's, it's very important you read your own leases. I, was, um, I had the, the sight and the vision to sign a five-year lease with five five-year options. <laughs> and and the building owner did it. They thought it was crazy. They were like, "Who's this kid that thinks she's going to be here for thirty years?" <laughs> but um, but I, that was part of my business plan. I, I wrote a plan. Um, I had goals, and one of the goals included being home with my family and supporting my family. Right. So to have a company and not have any financial goals, eventually, you're gonna. Um, you're going to run out of money, number one, and you're going to get bitter with your daily bump and grind because you're not putting any money in your pocket. So it's really important that it doesn't mean to be greedy. You know, I, I pay all my employees really good wages and um, I use only fair trade companies. I buy the best products, but I also make sure that I can make a living so that I'm happy. Um, and that was part of my plan. Like, you know, I'm also open 11 to 4 which I don't think there's a lot of businesses open 11 to 4, not now. No, I'm not open at all. But at the time, I decided to only be open 11 to 4 so that I could take my kids to school, make them breakfast, and so I could be home for dinner. So whatever anybody wants to do as a business owner, as long as you um, own it and don't apologize for it and it helps you be a happy person in your shop environment, people will be okay with it. It took people like three years to get used to 11 to four hours, but now they're, they're still not used to it, but they deal with it. <laughs> All right. Let's, let's do a hypothetical here. I'm coming to you and, um, you know, I'm, 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 uh, I've just started my yarn store. I'm not doing very well. Um, you know, and I, I really am not doing very well. And I, and I, and I come to you and I say, uh, you know, Jennifer, um, you know, Here's the things, and you, it's, you hear the same things over and over. What, 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 what should I be doing? You know, what, what, what can I do? Um, you know, you know, to get myself to a place where, you know, I can be happy and I can start to make some money here. Well, I'd first ask you what you do. What you do good. What is it about you that makes you special? Why would anybody want to come see you and spend time with you? And you know, if you can't answer that, then you know, you shouldn't have a shop or, or I shouldn't say it like that, but you have to have something. You have to have your own confidence in whatever it is about you that makes you an interesting business owner. And everybody has, I mean, if you love fiber, you know, you, you've got something inside of you that, that you can share with people and um, capitalize on. So if you're scared you, you got to take that out of the equation. You have to figure out, okay, what, what can I do to get my company healthy right now today? Um, if you have good credit, you can get things on terms with vendors. You know, our vendors right now, all of or most of them, the big vendors, they have 
tremendous social media platforms, you know, everybody's trying to reinvent themselves right now. And all of us are a team, you know. So you reach out to your vendors that um, it's, it's hard because this is something else that I don't want to forget to say. A lot of people, um, and there's so many incredible dyers that dying like as of five years ago, all these dyers small, popped up and making beautiful colors and, and wonderful yarns. But most of them sell direct. So that's our competition in a lot of ways, right? So you, you want to, you if you're scared as a business owner, like what can I do going forward? How can I keep my company going? Sell things that someone can't buy direct from the maker, right? Sell things that the company is going to put you on their social media platform. And even if you're not good at Facebook or Instagram, you probably have a child or a grandchild that can help you with that. Um, or or the their companies will help you. They'll let you use their, their team to, I'm sure you've offered this with stitches, you know, what can we do to help you, your booth be successful? I mean, you guys were so, I had done my first uh, trade show in a long time um, with you, and you guys were super helpful. And I think shop owners forget, like, reach out to the people that you're buying products from. And if those people aren't helping you with free patterns and social media and terms so you can pay over time, if you're not getting that from the people you're buying products from, that's like one of your biggest mistakes. Like get, get rid of those guys. Don't, don't buy from people that are your competition and don't buy from people that you have to warehouse their yarn. And what I mean by that is everybody should be giving terms right now. Um, unless you have bad credit or, or some reason why somebody wouldn't want to give you terms. There, there's And terms, for anybody listening that doesn't know what that means, terms are like 30, 60, 90 days to pay off something. Um, if if you have to pay something on a credit card, that gives you a little bit of time. But for the most part, if it's in a warehouse somewhere in New York and you have a shop in California, it's not doing that vendor any good, right? So it's better for them to sell you some yarn and give you 60 days to pay for it because at least it's in a place where it's going to get sold. So talk to vendors about that. Use vendors that are going to help showcase what you do best and, and figure out what it is you do best. And I wasn't kidding about the baking cookies. Whatever you can do that's going to get people looking at your store, um, or buying from you, engage with them, let them get to know you, be yourself, be honest. That's the other, like, rule number one with sales is be honest. Honest sales, um, you know, don't sell something that looks bad on somebody and, and don't sell it just for the sake of selling it. If you're honest with, with people, they're going to gravitate towards you. Um, but find what it is inside you that makes your business special and you'll have success. You just got to like, you know, it's like follow the yellow brick road. So follow the steps to get there. <laughs> okay. This is good advice. Um, so, so in your store, for instance, um, you know, I know that I think you've changed recently again, you're doing, um, I think it's an appointment only you're, you're doing. And most yeah. of your, most of the traffic you have is curbside. Um, and I believe you have uh, you have a, you have a mask um, uh, mandate in place for your store, correct? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, so is that something that a yarn store? Okay, I'm a yarn store. Well, you know, I'm really worried. 
Jen, that, that people won't like it, that I'm making them wear masks to come and see my yarn store? What would your answer be to that? Well, my answer would be um, one of my children had COVID, and it is very scary. So anybody who doesn't want to wear a mask in my store, um, maybe they feel like this is a hoax or I know I know has COVID. It's real. It's scary. It is. It can be deadly. It's not a hoax. It's real. And there's nothing wrong with you saying to your consumers, for the safety of me and you, you got to wear a mask. Um, I have customers that literally the only place they have come is to Jennifer Nitz. So they have not left the house since the second week of March. They have not gone anywhere. They have not seen anyone, maybe their husband, whatever, maybe a grandchild at a distance. So they tell me, I'm safe. Hey, um, I, I'm sure you are, but what if I'm not? Like, what if I'm not safe? And that mask on me and that mask on you is two walls that keep this deadly, for lack of a better word, deadly virus from getting on either one of us. And none of us know enough about this to know um, all the ways that we can get it. But we we do know for sure that countries that enforce masks um, are, are doing better. So if if you can't ask your customer to wear a mask to come in your store, then then they can't come, and you have to own that. You have to think about, you know, just because this person feels like whatever they feel about a mask, your safety, your children's safety, your grandchildren's safety. What about and what if you get it and you contaminate another twenty people that you're going to see that week? Like this is huge, right? I have to do everything I can to be as safe as possible. And, I mean, I couldn't see my daughter for – I still haven't seen her, you know, because we don't know how long this could last. So, um, yeah, don't let somebody bully you into making you out of your comfort zone. And if you're the kind of person that thinks, oh, give me a break, like I really need to wear a mask, well, what happens when that one person comes into your store, you're not wearing a mask, and they end up contracting COVID? having nothing to do with you, but you're the only place they went into where they weren't, where a person wasn't wearing a mask. Who do you think they're going to blame, right? Even if you weren't the cause of it. So this also protects, I feel like it gives us protection of liability. You know, we're doing everything we can. We're making people sanitize when they come in. They wear a mask. I wear a mask. We minimize the risk and do everything possible to make it so you can't get it from us. I don't think there's an apology well, needed. No apology needed. No apology needed. I like something you told me the other day about the business plan, um, which is, of course, you started out with the business plan. But you told me that, that there's, it's, you're never too, it's never too late to, to make up a business plan. I thought that was fantastic. I never thought about that before. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the first thing I tell people when um, – so the how to make a profit class that I taught to shop owners, I think I taught to close to 350 shop owners and every single one of them, every single person that took my class and every single person I've ever consulted has told me 
that their business was better. And I'm not tooting my own horn. I'm just, I, I shared ideas with them that maybe they hadn't thought of or because they're relying on an accountant and a business manager and people with college degrees, they think that those people know everything, but I know things based on experience and based on my own success. So um, I do know that you can make a business plan at any point in time to decide what you're going to do for your future. Um, I actually just recently, one of the things that I've been doing over this weekend um, is redoing my business plan. What is my business going to look like for the next? I want to be around for another 12 to 15 years, and business is going to be different, at least for two years. It's going to be very, very different. And where does Jennifer Nitz want to go from here? Do we want to do more social media and podcasts and go down that road? Or do we want to continue with the, the, just the live engagement? So, I mean, for me, hands down, I want to do things with humans, <laughs> live engagement all the way. But um, to, to answer your question, yes, a business plan, I, I have already said it once um, with us right now, but, you know, failing to have a plan is planning to fail. And um, it's never too late to put all your thoughts and goals on paper and then you have something to look back on. I look back on my business plan um, every once in a while just to kind of keep me in check. You know, my mission statement, I've, I've stayed true to that. And um, I think it, it helps you have guidelines for what you want. And it also, a business plan is going to help you figure out what your operating costs are, right? When was the last time as a business owner you figured out how much toilet paper you used and how much the pens and the ink cost? And how much am I paying for credit card fees? Because they go up every six months, and unless you call to make sure they stay at a certain rate, they're going to go up. Some people discover they're paying 4 or 5% on their credit card machines, when that's, like, ridiculous. I think we pay 2.1 now on um, credit card transactions. So, you know, th that's all stuff you put in your business plan. I mean, the list is, is endless and thorough. And... Um, I try to tell you everything that I put in my business plan, but maybe I can make that available so you can have people <laughs> see things. Well, this should be something at least for them to start with. I mean, it's uh, and this yeah. is good for them. And I hope people are listening about this. I think one of the things also about your business plan is, and I don't know if it's in your business plan, but it's your methodology. I mean, you don't do things exactly like all LYSs do. No. Like I don't. you'll you'll do a lot of different kinds of services for them. Can we can we talk a little bit about the the way you your place is very different in that respect? Yeah, well, for starters, it's the um, I always got a lot of slack. That was like the the one hesitation when I teach a class. People are like, "What do you mean you don't charge for help?" Well, the longer you pe keep people in your store, the longer they're going to be there to look at your yarn, and the more likely they are to buy something. So, if you're charging, like especially right now. Um, shops don't want to help people hands-on, which I understand. We don't either. But um, but they will do it, you know, one at a time and charge, you know, $10 for 30 minutes or $20 for 30 minutes. Okay, how are you going to stay in business doing that? How are you going to pay for that shop? Like we already discussed, my shop cost me about $75 an hour. And, and what that means is I'm open five hours a day. 
and there's 21, on average, 21 working days of a month because we're closed Sunday, Monday. So when I add up my rent and my all my things that it costs me and I divide that by 22 days or 21 days and then I divide that by the amount of hours I'm open, that's how I come up with that number, how much it costs me per hour. And if you're only charging 10 or $20 for 30 minutes to an hour of help, you're not even covering turning on your lights, let alone putting any money in your pocket. So better to, better to give it away for free and have them buy product from you. Like we'll, we'll always give you free help. We expect you to use our products. I expect you to buy stuff from me. And I've always been generous with our time. You know, it doesn't matter whether you spend $50 or $1,000. You're going to get quality, friendly, um, uh, educated knitting advice on your project. Now, if you take a little too long to work on that project, I'm going to make you buy more yarn because I am valuable and my time is valuable and my shop is valuable and my staff is valuable. So I I get a little um, backlash from shop owners sometimes. Like, you have to charge. No, you don't. You don't. My philosophy is to to give your time. I mean, if it's classes, yes. You know, uh, an organized class, I think it's important to have a fee and a suitable fee, what you're worth. But if you can help people FaceTime or in person right now, um, you know, distance safely, get them to buy your product. Get them to buy enough that it's worth your time. And um, I went off track of what the question was to begin with, Ben. Well, you were you were you were the, you do those kinds of things too, but there, you also offer additional yes. services as well. Yes. That's what I was trying to get to. Yes, yes, yes. My services. Okay, so in addition to offering free help, which I believe is just again, it goes back to this whole like table time and just camaraderie. And you know, while the, you know we've got the list of people, we go through the list. She's getting a drop stitch fixed. Uh, you know, Mary Jo is getting a rose ripped. We're teaching somebody to pick up stitches on the neck. So all these people are congregating together and mingling while they're waiting for help. And when those who aren't getting the help then get to look on the walls and shop. So it's this wonderful cycle and this wonderful dynamic that happens in my shop that is different um, from, I believe, different from how a lot of shops do it. So that's number one. That's one thing we do different. We also will do anything for you. Like I have customers that started with me when I worked at another shop and they still have me cast on. Okay. I don't care if you don't want to learn how to cast on your stitches. It's fine. Uh, I, I have a lot of people like, why would you do that for them? Well, they don't want to cast on. They don't like the way their cast on looks. So what? So I just sold them a sweater. I can cast it on for them. It's not a big deal. We do whatever you don't want to do and we teach you whatever you want to learn. So if you want to learn how to sew your sweater together, great. If you don't want to learn how to do that, I've got somebody that does that. If you've got a sweater that you knit for, uh, you know, your ex-boyfriend and it's been in your closet for 20 years and now you want to finish it and give it to your brother but you don't want to knit the sleeves, i got a person that's going to do it for you. If you uh, want to just do the neck on your sweater but you don't want to sew anything, you hate sewing, we'll sew it, we'll show you how to do the neck. We do what you want to do. We want you to have it your way at Jennifer Knit. So I think that's important to remember too. Um, 
it's it's one of the reasons why I don't have a lot of outside teachers because so many teachers want to do it their way, but I want my customers to be able to find their own way. So um, is it okay to mention a teacher's name? Sure. On your show? Um, yeah. Gwen Botner is amazing, like amazing yep. teacher. She also has the same philosophy as me, like, you know, everybody's a little different. You might be tighter or looser or whatever, however you knit or crochet, whatever. Do it your way. So a lot of shops have outside teachers come in. You really got to, you know, interview them, get to know them, make sure they represent you. Um, and if if they do, great. But if, if your philosophy is like mine, where you want customers to be able to do whatever they want to do to make them happy and so that they have some kind of finished product, you, you really want to see who's teaching that to them, right? And and have um, have control over what's going on in your shop to keep your customers happy. I think that sets us above a lot of other, I mean, any retail stores. You know, I like to go into a shop where I can say, oh, I, I really love that dress. Is it available in blue? You know, or can I get my size? And sometimes people won't even try. They won't even see if they can get a different size or if the thing is sold out. And I don't want to be one of those shops. I want to be the shop that, you know, if if you started a project 10 years ago and you need one more ball, I'm going to find it for you. I'm going to find it for you. I'm going to figure out how to recreate your project for you. So all those things help the consumer feel happy. And it also helps the environment of your of your store happy. And it makes you happy. You know, when customers are happy and employees are happy, you're happy. Um and then they tell their friends, and they tell their friends, and they tell their friends. Um, a, a, something that stuck with me, and I, I can't remember where I heard it from. Um, I've, I've read a lot of books on business, and I'm sure I, I got it from one of these, and it definitely is true. One customer you make happy is going to tell about five people. You know, they're close friends, you know, whatever. They'll leave your shop, go to the coffee shop, tell one person Oh, Jennifer, this is great. One person you make unhappy is going to go out of their way to tell at least 20 people. So if you make that person unhappy, they're not just going to tell their friends. They're going to go on Yelp. They're going to go on your social media. They're going to go tell all their friends. They're going to go to your neighbors. Oh, my God, I can't believe she's horrible. I don't want to. So you really want to make, not just for business, wise you know i mean you want to do it to be a kind human being you want to make everybody happy but also for business purposes you you really want to make people happy so that they can give you referrals and they can keep coming back it's just it's such a simple thing to do is to say yes my my rule at my store with my employees is um they either say yes or go ask jennifer they don't ever say no they cannot tell a customer no yes or let me ask jen and I'm usually, if I say no, I'm, like, really nice and funny when I say no. So people don't even know I'm saying no. Um, but, you know, it, it's, uh, to me it's a lot of logic, basic, like, <laughs> common sense and logic. But I know, I know it's hard when you, when you have a business to, to think that way because it's, business is scary and there's bills and 
you know, and there's inventory and there's all these things. And so when people are coming in, sometimes you're just thinking about, I just, I have to sell them this. I have to sell them this. I have to pay, you know, I have to pay this today. I have to, you know, business insurance is due. But take all that out for those five or six hours that you're open and just think about making people happy. And if you make them happy, you'll sell lots of stuff. It's just how it works. I just think it's, you know, it's miraculous that it's proof of concept has is, is happened for you with, you know, and there you are, um, you know, with a dream and a library card um, to uh, read what you yes. know and learn. Yeah. <laughs> so, the, so now the library card was a huge thing back then for you. Yes, it was. It was. I was yes. always at the <laughs> always at the Jocelyn Center Library all the time, <laughs> and they That's had a pool great. connected to them, so I could send my kids to go swim in the pool while I was at the library researching whatever it is I was researching, from um, knitting designers like Kay Fassett, who I just I wanted to know as much as I could about, to negotiating my lease or anytime I had anything come up, um, I would I would go either research it at the library or, I mean, because internet wasn't huge 20 years ago, you know, it really, now you can look things up online, but even looking things up online, I caution everybody, you know, a lot of what you see online, totally not true. That's why your doctor says when they tell you, you got something wrong with you, don't go online. Same thing with business, right? So whatever you want to learn about business, ask somebody who's, successful at it whether it's an accountant i think i had said to you jokingly like you you wouldn't hire an accountant who filed bankruptcy so you you don't want to get business advice from somebody who went out of business or you know or uh i mean you want to you want to surround yourself with people who love what they do and have success with what they do those are the people that will have good advice and that's what i gravitate towards too like um, I, I said, like, I didn't, I didn't go to college, but I figured it out, and I surround myself with really smart people that either, you know, have a degree in something that I needed help with or could guide me in the right direction or, you know, pay for advice. You know, there's lots of ways you can get good advice, and it doesn't mean you have to have a degree in accounting or a, a business degree or a marketing degree to be good at it. You just have to be able to do your own research and make good decisions and get good advice. And then you have to take that good advice. You know, like uh, I've had people say to me like, oh, no, 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 Jen, that works for you. That works for you because you're in Brentwood and you're in Los Angeles and you have, you know, a lot of wealthy clients that come in. No, no, no. That's not how it works for Jennifer Nitz. First of all, I live in the South Bay. I live um, in a great little town called Torrance, and I was born and raised there. And I had very modest, um, a very modest upbringing. One of the reasons why I didn't go to college is because my parents couldn't afford to pay for it, and I wanted to start making money instead of investing in my education. Maybe that was good, maybe not, but whatever. Um, so my clients in my Los Angeles shop, they're not. Maybe twenty percent of them are local. I have clients that come from all over the country to see me, and I worked my way to that because of my honest reputation and my my talent with sweater designing and my incredible selection of fibers that I never, ever, like, from the moment I opened Bend, I just made sure that I put every cent back into good inventory, right? 
So people say like, oh, I can't carry cashmere. You know, I'm in the Midwest. Nobody's going to buy cashmere at my store. Well, your customers in the Midwest fly to Los Angeles to spend two days at Jennifer Knit so they can suck up on my yarn. People come from all over the country, all over the world, literally, to come to my shop and see what we have and to feel our enthusiasm and to get our fibers. So I have good advice to give, and it's not because I have a lot of rich clients that buy my stuff. I'm successful because I'm enthusiastic and I love what I do. I'm successful because I have a very big selection of, of fibers and, um, and I know how to tell people what to do to use them. So if you don't have cashmere in your store, all that means is that you're not going to sell any, right? So you have to have it. Maybe you can't have a lot, but you can have a few skeins so you can take orders from it, and that's going to make you a lot more money than – having the display in the front when you walk in, um, uh, a display of sock yarn, right? I think we jokingly, I talk about this with Libby too, like a lot of shops promote sock yarn, and that's great. I think I have fun. I make socks too, but a sock, a pair of socks maybe is 12 maybe $20 worth of yarn. It's hours of help to the person. You're, you're not going to be able to successfully have your you're not going to have a good month at your store if you sell 100 socks, right? You you've got to have things that are going to make your shop money and um don't be afraid of of really good fibers. People want good fibers. Maybe they can't afford to do a cashmere sweater, but they can afford to do a cashmere hat or a cashmere cowl or like just do the net of something in a little bit of cashmere or with beads or with silks or some luxury fiber. And that's going to help your bottom line. You know, all those things are going to help your bottom line. And it's a small investment, but it's an investment in yourself and um, an investment in your clients, and they're all worth it, and you're definitely worth it. So um, I think that sets us above other shops too, is I was never afraid to have all different kinds of fibers in my store to give people uh, – I don't judge my clients. I don't – just because somebody may or may not have a lot of money doesn't mean they're going to – want to do something more or less expensive. And what I mean by that is, you know, somebody might be on unemployment right now but still want to make a cashmere blanket. It's not for me to decide what they want to make. So I'll put it on layaway or I'll let them make payments or take some now, some later. Or I might have somebody who's a famous movie star. And um, I do have this, actually, a couple who just want acrylic and um, I don't even carry it in my store, but I'll order it for them because that's what they want, and I don't judge them. That's what they want, and that's okay. (laughs) Very cool. Well, so this kind of brings us, you know, and we're coming down closer to the end of the interview here. This kind of brings us through, I I know that you've got like a basic set of points for success right now, that, that if anybody's listening, you should really tune into this. Can can you give us your basic points of success? Yeah, I um, I can. You had asked me at the pre-interview, so I kind of made a list on things. And I'm hoping that people listening, um, I really came on this podcast to encourage small business owners, to uh, craft store owners, that you can do it. You can do it. You will get through this. We will get through this. We This is a small moment in time for us, and maybe it's a year's moment, but but 
if we uh, work together and we are all one big happy fiber family, we will get through this and we will be stronger and we will be more amazing businesses than we already are. We just need to reach out to one another to get um, advice and support and to, to feel camaraderie. So I, I hope that everybody, and I'm always available um, by email or phone to anybody who has any questions for me. I, I, I want that point noted. Um, I want everybody to succeed. I love what I do, Ben. I really do. So um, yes, I know you. going back to your question, that the 10 things I think, I made a list of 10 things that I think everybody, and I men- mentioned some of these already while we were talking, um, uh, number one, I think, is honest sales. I mentioned that. Always be honest. Be kind to your clients. Don't judge them. And by all means, be honest. If they look like hell and purple, don't sell them purple, okay? Sell them what looks good on them. Sell them what they want to buy, whatever that may be. Sell them what they want to buy. And and start with um, – it, it is easier to have samples – in a really nice luxury yarn and that you can always downgrade. If somebody sees a garment in acrylic, they're probably not going to say, oh, do you have like a cashmere merino blend for that? If they see it in cashmere merino, they're more likely to buy what you, what you have the sample in. But they can always downgrade if they're on a budget. So that's important too. Um, uh, the second thing is know your goals. You know, understand your your cost of operation and have goals. This goes back to that business plan thing. Understand your daily cost of operation so that you can have goals for yourself and your employees so that you can have success for a healthy company and so you can make a living so you can stay a long time. I want want next year, you know, two years from now, I'd love to hear that there's 2,000 knit shops in the country not less knit shops in the country. So have goals so that you can be profitable and you can make a living. Um, not to cut corners. Don't cut corners unless you have to. You know, always have nice, like the samples I'm talking about in Nice Yarn, always have uh, pretty displays. You know, it takes you can take two hours a week just to clean your shop nicely and have some displays looking nice, your sweaters folded, your shelves neat. It's really important because first impressions, everything, even when you're doing FaceTime or social media, you want your store to be beautiful and that people want to jump in, right? So keep your store looking fresh, even though you're at minimal hours or just doing social media. Your store should, it'll make you feel good if your store is neat and beautiful. Um, uh, I already mentioned about buying with terms and getting support. So I would say that one of the most important things, too, is ha- buy from companies and distributors and vendors that support you the same way you support them. They should be doing something, giving you samples to use, trunk shows, free patterns, terms, free shipping. They need to do something for you. If they're not doing something for you, do not use them. And if you can't find companies that are going to do something for you, reach out to me or to someone else and ask them, what companies do you use that help you have success, right? There's, there's a ton of them, a ton of companies that want us all to succeed because that's how they're going to succeed. So um, reach out to companies that want to help you. Uh, another thing on my list is the 80-20 rule. So I don't know if you're familiar with that, Ben. Um, there's a great book by a guy named Richard Koch, K-O-C-H, yep. and it's called The 80-20 Rule. He's wrote a few of them, and that means that 20% of your clients 
are actually doing 80% of your business. And 80% of your clients are actually taking up all your time, right? So you want to focus on your top 20% of your clients, really reach out to them, really kiss up to them, really make them happier than you. I mean, you want to make everybody happy, but those 20% of your clients, reach out to them now more than ever. Ask them to help you get more clients. Don't be afraid to say, hey, I need referrals. I'll give you a $10 credit or I'll give you 10% off your next purchase. Reach out to your 20% of your clients. Make sure they're super happy and ask them for help. Um, And uh, use your talent. Use your talent. That is um, super important, Ben. Use your talent. Um, And I think actually the the number one thing on my list I almost forgot to say it. The number one thing on my list of how to have a successful sales store, a retail store, never answer, ask a question that could be answered no. Never, ever ask a question that could be answered no. You don't ever want to call anybody or walk up to anybody and say, can I help you? You want to say, let me show you what I just got in. Let me show you my new sweater. I want to show you the new blue yarn that we just got in. So that's really important. Open up dialogue with your clients. Um, start with start the way you want to finish, right? Start with showing them something beautiful that represents you and your shop and, and get them intrigued and get them excited about your products and they'll shop. Oh, and make a list. Have a list like that. Have the list. Have the list. That's right. The list is good. Have the list. (laughs) Great. Oh, those are great points. Those are fantastic points. Wow. Thank you for sharing that because, again, I'm hoping that, uh, you know, you business owners are listening. And um, we're going to try to do my best to uh, put those bullet points up online at some point in the show notes. But, all right. Well, again, we're coming down close to the end of the interview, and you have been wonderful, as I assumed you would be. Um, is there anything we didn't cover that we went through? In the, I'm just trying to think. It seems like we're, we've been through everything. We, we didn't well, gush enough on Libby. <laughs> Gushing enough on Libby. I love Libby. I love Libby. all my clients, actually. I think I, I, the only thing I didn't touch base on is how much I, I love my shop. I love everything about Jennifer Nitz. I look forward to going to work every day. Um, I was lucky enough to tell my mom before she passed away that I'm totally who I want to be when I grow up. And I am so grateful to all the people that are supporting my store and other local yarn stores right now. I just, I think we are all, I mean, you know, the corny, everybody's saying, you know, we're all in this together. We are all in this together. And, um, we're so fortunate, you and I, Ben, and and Libby, and all of our colleagues, that we're in a, a an industry that we love, that is founded on like just yummy fibers and crafts and fun and a hobby. I I just I think we're so blessed to have that. I I feel so fortunate. I I love I knit every single day, Ben. Like I literally knit every day. I've done it since I was a kid. I, I love it. I absolutely love it. I love designing. I love, hopefully, I'm going to have new designs for people soon. Um, but, yes. 
want to that's fantastic. reiterate how much I love Jennifer Knit and mm-hmm. all of and all of everyone, all the knitters and all the land. All the knitters and all the land. Go forth. Mm-hmm. Let it ring true. Uh, okay, so um, last two questions. In this troubled time... And crocheters. Which will, oh, and crocheters too, yes. In this troubled time, what advice can you give to the world? To the world? Oh, boy, that's so yes. loaded. That's heavy. That's a big burden. Um, the is. advice I would give to the world is that we all need to be kind to one another. This is such a, a strange time... Um, some things that have been happening for way too long, and then we have new things happening. And if every person, I always tell my kids, start your morning by saying good morning to someone walking down the street. Whoever you come in contact with, say good morning to as many people as you can. I promise you, someone's day is going to get changed just by you saying good morning because maybe nobody has talked to that person or maybe nobody's been nice to that person or maybe blah, 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 blah. So my thing to anybody listening to this is let's do our part to be kind to one another, whoever that person is, no matter where they came from. I mean, we're in a craft industry. We have the ability to share um, our passion with so many people. And now more than ever, like, we have the potential to share um, happy thoughts on fibers to thousands of people with one click, right? So let's all be, I mean, I do my part. I, I want anybody in need, I'll, I'll be there for them. And if we all did that, we all were just kind and helping anyone in need and, and promoting things that are happy, like fibers or helping I mean, like my shop, um, I try to donate whatever I can every month to Feeding America right now, feedingamerica.org, because it's such a good cause. Like, do your part. All of us can do our part, even if we're not, like, making money hands over fists right now with the way the economy is. You, You can do your part. You can do your part to be kind. You can do your part to help somebody. And, um, definitely do your part and knit, for sure. Knit every day. And I'm That's smiling great. when I or say crochet, that. Or crochet every day. <laughs> or crochet. Or do something right. with fibers. Every day. Yes, every single day. Every day. Make you a happier person. Promise. All right. I do. If Jennifer says so, then you that you got to do it because, you know. you got to do it. She's got it, figured, she's got it figured out, folks. I'm just telling you. All right. Last question. Do you have anyone you'd like to thank or make a shout-out to? Um, well, my kids inspire me every day. Karina, Alana, and Zoe. Um have been my inspiration since I opened my store. Being a mom is like the greatest gift anyone could have. Um, And my husband is my rock and the greatest guy in the world. So a little shout out to them. And my former boss, Karen Damsky, who owns L'Atelier, she um, and Leslie Storm and her partner, they were my mentors for close to 15 years. And I learned a lot from them. Um, And all the knit shops out there, that's who I'd like to shout out to. Be strong. Be strong. We can do this together. We can we can do anything. We can. And I want to thank everybody out there for trying their best to keep their, their small shops open. Well, I, you That's might it. get some calls after this. You might get some calls after this uh, show, and uh, you know, I, I I hope you do because you're right. I mean, the we, the shrinking is it, this is getting crazy. Um, 
and this is not how we make this is not how we encourage the industry. So we have to do something as much as we can about this. Yes. Um, I, want, I want to thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, you, you, we, um, I thought it was really important and right now in, in this time that you had a message that need, people need to hear, that you know, it's not you know, pack it all up and move somewhere else. It's you know, just fight through it, which is what you've always done. Yes, and if I can do it, anybody can. I started as a single mom with a hundred bucks in my bank account, no college education, I had energy and confidence and enthusiasm. So you can do it. Whatever it is, you can do it. And if you need help, reach out to somebody that can help you with whatever help you need. But we can do this. I, I can't emphasize it enough, Ben. All of us, whatever our business is, we can shine. We can shine through all this. And we'll be here at you know, a year, five, ten years from now, if if we just hold on to that confidence and that energy and positivity and kindness. That's that's it. That's the recipe. Okay. Well, you've heard it. We've now got the recipe for success here that I'm I'm gonna do my best and to apply to myself when I get down about things, it happens to all of us. Uh again I want to thank you for being on the show. Um I know it's early there compared to where I am. Um and um, it's also just really great to talk to you again. Thank you, Ben. I appreciate you having me. Anytime. All right. You you have a great day. Thank you. You too. Take it Bye. easy. Bye. That was Jennifer Winger Turchin, someone who I have so much respect for as an entrepreneur and, and someone who I really like just talking with. Um, I'm pleased that she could be on the show today. The things that small businesses are going through right now uh, are—they're complicated, and and it's it's hard. And I think it's it's important that another small business talk to this. Um, not that you know ours is not a small business, but it's not the same kind of small business. So, thank you again, Jennifer. And uh, links to Jennifer's business, as well as some of the things that we talked about in the show. The resources will be posted on the show notes for this episode, and we're going to try to get those show notes up on FiberHooligan.com in the next day or two. Okay, next Monday, my guest will be uh, Diane Ivey. Diane Ivey is the owner and creative director of Lady Dye Yarns, an indie dye yarn company started in 2010. A knitter for 18 years and a dyer, spinner, and crocheter for 13 Diane looks forward to not only expanding her company, but using her expertise in growth and expansion with other BIPOC businesses to grow on a national scale. She spent 16 years in the nonprofit sector. She holds a Bachelor of Arts degree in political science and mass communications with a concentration in print journalism from Georgia College and State University. She also holds a master's in public administration with a concentration in nonprofit from Suffolk University. Diane has a lot going on right now, and I'm so pleased that she could find some time to join us this next week so she can tell us everything that she's up to. I hope you tune in to hear from her. She's a very charismatic and inspirational lady. I also want to make sure that you know that I'm eager to hear from you. You can email me questions, recommendations, critiques, and feedback at fiberhooligan at gmail.com. And that includes suggestions for guests or cool things you'd like me to highlight on the show. I don't promise to respond to every email or message, but I do promise to do my best to read them all. If you ask a really great question or have an inspired idea, I may even read your email on the podcast. I'd like to thank my guest, my guest Jennifer, for being on the show today. 
I'd like to thank the X-Rex and Stitches crew for encouraging me to start this podcast up again. I'd like to thank my partners and family, David, Elaine, and Alexi, for their support. I'd like to thank my wife, Krista, for always being there for me. I'd like to thank Libby Butler-Gluck for all her encouragement and help. And, of course, I'd like to thank all of you for listening. Well, that's our show, Fiber Hooligans. As we slide on out of here today, I'd like to wish you all a glorious week. Remember, the only thing better than being creative is being kind to each other. The good news, we can do both. Thank you for spending this time with us. I hope you'll join me next week on another edition of Fiber Hooligans. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.